We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Our Stories with Marlia Campbell. Our Stories is an interview-style show focused on influential women in sports with ties to Kansas City and our teams. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything from the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. With more than 25 shows each week, KCSN has something for everyone. And now, let's go to Marlia for the latest episode of Our Stories. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Our Stories, a KCSN podcast presented by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Super glad you're here with us uh, for a very special episode. We have Andrea Hootie here, UConn women's basketball strength and conditioning coach. Coach, thank you so much. We were talking before the show. This is a chaotic time of year, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the KC Sports Network. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always nice to be back in the Kansas City area. Yeah, yeah, oh, man. I, I've told a couple of people this week that we are having you on the show, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" So super excited for your time. Uh, a lot we want to get to today, but first, um, catch us up with where you're at right now and, and kind of how the season's been going over in uh, Connecticut. Yeah, um, I don't know our record. I believe we have two losses right now. Um, it's been, you know, uh, a battle of trying to keep people healthy and um, win games. And uh, yeah, um, I started my PhD here at UConn. Um, I wanted to grow. And uh, so I have, I work with the Corey Stringer Institute. That's where I'm a student. And then I work with the Institute of Sports Medicine and um, a lot of collaboration on sports science, applied sports science and anything you can think of, you know? Yeah. That's cool. So Dr. Hootie coming here soon. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, so last time we talked, I knew you had gone back to UConn, obviously, but I had no idea you were uh, working on your doctorate there. Yeah, I, I want to grow. I want to continue to grow. And it was, uh, it's, it's, I'm getting older in the profession. This is, I'll be going on year 29, I believe, of coaching. Wow. And, you know, young coaches look for mentorship, but older coaches need mentorship too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, so, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so great segue into what we're going to get started talking about with your 29 years. Obviously, folks around here know you for your time with KU men's basketball. Uh, what was it? A decade? Decade and change? It was 15 years. 15. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So what brought you to, uh, to Kansas? Uh, well, that was when, so I worked for UConn before I came to Kansas. I worked with both the men's and women's basketball teams and 
Um, you know, I, uh, uh, the athletic director that was here, Lou Perkins, uh, invited me to come to Kansas and, and be a part of that team of, of Jayhawks. And that was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you're from the Connecticut area. Was there any hesitation, you know, hopping on a plane and coming to the, to the middle of the country? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, because I, I had known some people, uh, that were in the athletic department, but, um, yeah, I, I'm one to always try to grow and push my own boundaries and be uncomfortable and, um, comfort doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> so I'm always looking for something that, uh, comfort that doesn't feel good for me. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's, that's a good trait to have as a uh, strength coach. Yeah. 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 And yeah, comfort's uncomfortable for me. So always trying to grow and have new experiences and continue to learn from anyone. Yeah. So what was the the hiring process like in getting to Kansas? Because obviously few women, uh, you know, if you look at this NCAA numbers in coaching period in on the men's side of things, but I imagine that number is even more um, narrow for, for your specialty. Yeah. Um, I, you know, again, I had uh, some pretty great success working for two Hall of Fame coaches here and Gino Oriama and Jim Calhoun. And uh, I'd won or been a part of five national championships with women's basketball and two with men's basketball at the time and one with men's soccer. So it was um, just being a part of the championship culture within the athletic department and, and knowing what it takes to win and the de dedication, discipline, uh, accountability and uh, team effort on all levels of, of sports within the athletic department. So um, that was important. And, and having the experience with the administration of Lou Perkins, um, you know, and moving it to Kansas, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. So did you know you wanted to specialize in basketball specifically early on in your career? Because I know you did a bunch of different sports at UConn originally. Yeah, um, I, basketball was the sport that I loved growing up. <clears throat> um, and, you know, what motivates me now is I've already had my knee replaced at 47. And I just don't want any athlete, let alone women's athletes, to, to experience what I've gone through. And um, that was a big motivator for me because it's like, yeah, uh, how, how can we prevent these injuries or reduce the risk of injury? and um, help help people reach their goals. So Coach Oriyama, my mom saved um, recruiting letters from him from like 1987. So we go back a really long time. And um, I did not play basketball in college. I played volleyball. And it was just a different, volleyball was a different way to produce power because I couldn't break playing basketball. So I had to kind of give that up because I had a knee injury at the time. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I just, I want overall health for people and performance. And how can we, how can we uh, walk that line, you know, because it's a thin line. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm two shoulder surgeries deep. And I'm how many years removed now from four or five years from my college career, and it bothers me every day. So I, uh, I can appreciate the, the value behind, I guess, providing lifelong health for these athletes. Um, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about specialization earlier on because I'm sure that plays a part in this. But um, I want to talk about your early years at, at Kansas and kind of how that adjustment was going in and establishing yourself uh, in a new state, in a new program with a, with a you know, highly touted men's basketball team. 
Yeah, um, it, you know, it took a little bit. I, I would say it, it, it usually takes two to four years to probably have a, a, a true impact on, on some place and build a culture. Uh, Coach Self and Lou supported everything that I did and let me do my job. And that's creating, you know, tissue density and robustness through weight training and, um, you know, other aspects of sports performance. So uh, creating efficiency and, and health, overall health, and trying to teach younger athletes what's, what's really important. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm studying my PhD right now, and it's hard to pinpoint anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, give us the secret right now, if you know well, it. It's so <laughs> dynamic, right? There are so yeah. many systems involved. So it, it's, 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 it's tough. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I got... It, it took a little bit to to for people to understand what I wanted as you know a director of of a big weight room and um, you know and I'm still going through that here because I've been here for 18 months now and I still want more <laughs> you know yeah. there's still more to do yeah yeah what is your uh, like if you can nail down your philosophy in the weight room to maybe a couple key points. Um, what was that at Kansas and has it remained like consistent over the years, if that makes sense? Yeah, uh, my philosophy is whatever works. So what works for one person might not work for the other, but <clears throat> you do have to uh, have an external resistance to create robustness and to increase tissue density to be able to survive your sport. And the difference between men's and women's, I find, uh, is the age because, you know, peak height velocity, which is the time that we can really have an impact on strength uh, for men is around 18. So it's, it was perfect time to uh, train men around 18, you know, because we could get really great results. They have more hormonal impact than women. Um, and peak height velocity for women's between 12 and 14. And unfortunately, you know, uh, I don't know if people have those resources, you know, yeah. girls, you know, yeah. like I know Ross Schwizo there at Baser Linwood, he used to be there. I don't know who's in the area that actually has a huge impact now on, um, on young women in sports, but it needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, before we hop on to more stuff at Kansas, I guess while we're on this, how can parents, coaches, encourage that at that young age for women because i feel like strength strength and conditioning is something i missed for a large part of my you know early early career until i got to college really is when i started you know yeah I would, you, I would tell you most women miss that and yeah that's having the resources to provide great coaching for younger younger women 12 to 14 years old and um for it to be consistent year-round great training you know and and that includes sleep and, and nutrition and so many other things. So it's all about education and having the resources to, to provide a great program. Yeah. For, for someone like the lay person listening to this, are there any key things like key things people should focus on in terms of like, I know knee health is like a big issue specifically in the women's sport. Is that something you can kind of kickstart helping at that age? Yeah. Uh, again, tissue density is important. Neuromuscular recruitment, um, you know, being able to uh, pattern things the right way. When we talk about power output, you look at systemic strength. So I like a barbell. There's people that are getting away from barbells, um, but that you can really load up the system if you do it right. Right. Uh, yeah. Load up the system to try to create a more robust athlete. And um, 
I do like the fact that uh, hopefully people are playing multiple sports, not specializing in one, um, because what I see now is um, these athletes are coming and they're already injured. And then unfortunately, the biggest uh, predictor of an injury is a previous injury. So it's like, I, I feel like I'm juggling chainsaws, axes, feathers, and you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, everybody's different and everybody's dealing with different injuries. And we try to work around that the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. So I started specializing in, in basketball in terms of like quitting pretty much everything else except for high jump, like for fun. When I was in probably seventh grade, sixth, maybe, maybe earlier than that. How early are you seeing that now with obviously you're at the top level of basketball period right now at UConn. Yeah. Um, when I asked the, the athletes that I'm working with now, when they started playing year round basketball, it's since the age of five. And yeah, the, re the research and literature that I read is that these athletes, they're having double the volume by the, of a single sport by the time they get to college and they don't have movement skills or variability in other areas. And that's not good. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've always preached too that uh, what we do is try to undo what basketball does to the body and just train and create less asymmetries. Um, and it's tough because we're trying to undo what sport has done, but also increase performance. So there's a fine line between performance and health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you play that dance, you know, with the caliber of athletes you're, you're dealing with? Yeah, because I feel like you have people that want to go 100% probably like all the time. Yeah, I have uh, these these athletes are pretty amazing. They're high level. They they work. They're smart. They're just they they want to be the best. And it's like working harder might not always be the case. Working smarter is the case. Uh, yeah. But we try to do both. Um, yeah, it, it's tough because everybody has a different injury and. Um, uh, Basketball, I, I, I think basketball is a tough sport because it's a high impact sport, high deceleration, and um, that's not healthy. So yeah. try to try to, <laughs> everything that I know how to do to try to keep these athletes healthy. Yeah, yeah. I want to hop back to Kansas because I, I grew up a KU fan during the era, like when you were there, like 2008, I was in sixth grade for the championship year and like my dad and I rewatched the game for like years after that. We burned it onto a DVD and it was like that level of, of chaos. And one of the big, uh, I think, pillars of KU women's or KU men's basketball was kind of the development of the big men over the time from when they were 18 to when, you know, you have those pillar guys kind of their fourth and fifth year. Um, I guess, how, how did you navigate that in terms of producing as many All-Americans as you did and um, keeping these guys healthy and building them up over there were one and dones over that period of time but i feel like a lot of the success that that group had was the four-year guys that just you know yeah, they're well, unrecognizable by the time they left 100 experience you know is probably the number one thing but talent was number one yeah. experience and then um the weight training part uh you know especially with the big men most most uh people are afraid to put a barbell on people's back and or however you load somebody up, you know? And um, I think basketball players are not very different than defensive backs in football. So um, you have to build tissue strength or tissue density and robustness. I keep saying those words, but I feel like we're getting further and further away from that in, in a performance community. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, it, we, we worked and we worked hard. And, you know, the Morris twins helped me come up with my current philosophy or the current way I do things. And that's, we, we lift all year round. Um, it's not hard. It's a gradual build and it usually takes, you know, uh, a year for somebody to really understand what we're trying to do and then start speaking the language and understanding what we're doing. So you could see that after their freshman year, you know, again, it's hard. It's really hard when you have a high school athlete walk into a high level and you're supposed to compete with that. You know, you have to be really special if you're a freshman and you're playing college basketball or, you know, you're a rookie in the NBA or WNBA and you, you, you get thrown into the system because you don't know the system, you know, and it yeah. usually takes a while for somebody to figure that out or to get the yeah. ball under their belt. How did the Morris twins specifically help you to kind of? Well, they, I don't think they had much experience in performance training and um, uh, they're great. Uh, so I don't think two athletes don't know how to work hard, you know, so we have to teach them how to work hard. And some people tolerate it better than others. And um, it, it just got to a point with those guys where I was like, we're going to do something every day and we're going to be a gradual build and we won't overdo it, which we hope we never overdo it. But um, let's just buy into this. And I remember we lost, I believe it was their freshman year or sophomore year, year to Michigan State in the Elite Eight, I believe. And I got a text. We were sitting on the bus and I got a text from the twins in the back and said, who did it start now? So that was, that was really cool because they bought into what we were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. When you say teaching people to work hard, how I, is a lot of that mental, I imagine? Um, how do you yeah. kind of... Yeah, trusting the process, um, yeah. uh, having a load on your back or throwing a load around. Um, a lot of people aren't comfortable with it and they don't have the experience with it. So yeah, it's got to be a slow process for sure. How, how much of uh, strength training, I guess, in your position is like building trust of players and I guess building that buy-in kind of culture in the weight room? Yeah, I think all of it is because I, yeah. I feel like our 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 uh, profession is based on trust and relationships. So um, I hope that every athlete that I've ever worked with from men's basketball to cross country to tennis to whatever understands that I cared. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Did you, being a woman in a male-dominated field, did you ever run into, like, any uphill battles because every of that? Day. Every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, every day. Um, but, again, I, I like being uncomfortable. And um, I don't know. I, I'm into education. My parents and family were educators and teachers. And that's, it, again, it, it's it's a slow grind. It, it's yeah. um, getting people to, I, I, the biggest compliment that I ever had was um, when somebody said, I hated exercise. Now I love it. And now, and, you know, that happens quite often, which is cool. Cause that then means that I'm having an impact. Yeah. How do you deal with the frustration that comes with being the top at your job, but like facing this barrier from the beginning, just because you're a woman in a, again, a male dominated kind of arena. Yeah, it's tough because yeah. it's okay. I, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if there are too many people that can match my resume and what I've done in the university setting. Yeah. I run into those obstacles every day and <clears throat> coming back to school and getting my PhD. Will that, you know, influence other people's decisions more hopefully, but this, unfortunately, the first thing they see is a woman. And, you know, I just did a project with um, a class I was in, and it, it was the data from the U.S. Census Bureau. And in 2020, women made 82 cents on the dollar that men do. But when I started, it was 71 cents. And yeah. I actually have this thing here that um, I calculated, <laughs> right? That's awesome. Yeah. So it's uh, without compounding, without compounding interest, I've lost over $1.5 million over the 28 years that I've been coaching just because I'm a woman. Oh my so, God. That's uh, sobering when you, you do the math like that. Yeah. Over, over 28 years, you know, uh, of an hourly rate. Yeah. It's, um, it's frustrating, but um I'm still comfortable trying to push that barrier. Yeah. Well, and break it down for, for others. Um, I think these, these conversations came up a lot this last year with the 50th anniversary of title nine kind of brought like a resurgence of that conversation. Um, How do you, for, for people watching this or listening to this who get discouraged by that, what mindset do you 
take when dealing with this? And also, have you noticed it grow since you started in your career, you know, three decades ago? Um, what mindset do I take? I just keep fighting, you know, yeah. what I've always been taught to just keep fighting and keep fighting for what's right and have integrity with what you do. Um, again, you can't control what other people do or say, so you got to ignore that noise. Um, and then what was the second question? Have you noticed it grow over your 30 years? Like how have you kind of? Um, you still don't see very many women in those high level performance areas. You really don't, yeah. especially, you know, the only difference between men's and women's sports is the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and who's yeah. making, you know, who's deciding what's on TV and what's not on TV because you can see the ratings with women's sports when they're on TV. The women's final four for volleyball just uh, show, showcased the other day on ESPN and it was great. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And they, there were great support. I don't know what the viewership was at this point, but um, you know, it, it's, it's there and you just got to show it. I mean, you look at the world cup, like, I don't know. It's like soccer isn't shown that much in the United States, but when it's the World Cup, it's on TV all the time. So mm -hmm. people are making decisions on what to show. And unfortunately, that's, you know, what what's dictating how much money goes where. Yeah, it's a case of build it and they'll come. Like the softball ratings were fantastic. I think it was one or two years ago. Um, I wrote my master's thesis actually on this like specific topic and it it's the chicken or the egg thing that drives me nuts because the decisions of not airing women's sports or giving them less primetime slots come from people care about it less. But why do you think they don't know about it as much? Because it's not right. ESPN and in the primetime spots. Yeah, I could hop on a soapbox and go on about that forever. But we, um, we have athletes on our team right now that they're making a lot of money with the NIL stuff and yeah. um, a lot more money than some of the men uh, athletes that I, I see because mm -hmm. uh, there is there's support there and yeah. it, I wish it was shown more or there was more viewership opportunity. Yeah, yeah. and it's certainly improving, but uh, that's been kind of the theme for me for I've done a couple Title IX projects now and it's been embracing like how far we've come while using this as another little launching pad to highlight how much farther we have uh, to go still. Yeah, Steph Curry makes like $48 million dollars. Uh, a year, I think. And then the top women's uh, NBA players, they make, I think, $215,000. It's like a fraction of a percent yeah. of what yeah. these guys are making. And it's like, mm. yeah. so talk about equity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, was there like a conscious decision for you to go from KU men's basketball to I know you stopped in Texas and then came to UConn. Did you want to get back into women's basketball or was this, that just kind of how your career took you? Um, I was actually offered an NBA job at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I wanted to grow and make the decisions that I want to make and study what I want to study. <clears throat> um, hopefully those opportunities may come up in the future, but um, I'm really happy with where I am right now. And um, again, working on my PhD, I never thought I'd do that ever. Yeah. But uh, the people that I'm doing that with are pretty amazing. And the Corey Stringer Institute is, you know, one of the best um, kind of overall sports medicine um, things out there. And I'm a student in that. So it, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Is there anything like, is there a narrow focus you're taking <gasps> in that study? I'm just curious. 
Well, right now I'm studying and I'm collecting data and hopefully I'll have three or four years data of load management for women's basketball with force cool. production and a vertical jump, balance scores. I'm working with biomedical engineers on asymmetrical walking to pick up lower extremity injuries um, to wow. so you can maybe rehab the lower extremity injuries when you get that with an asymmetrical walking on two separate treadmills, one's faster than the other. Yeah. Uh, I work with, um, yeah, the, the Corey Stringer Institute with our load management numbers. Uh, we're working with the Institute of Sports Med to look at um, what we can do to have some maybe injury prevention or decrease the opportunity for injuries to happen. Um, but again, I, I think I just need a little bit more time to wrap my head around what we know and what we don't know. And we know we, we don't know more than we know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But the load management, uh, we use catapult uh, load monitor monitoring oh, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to look at uh, a lot of stuff. And it's it's fascinating because um, I just have to make sure that I can uh, present that information to a guy who's won 11 national championships and he's a Hall of Fame coach, which yeah. is hard, right? Yeah. So working on my communication skills too. So I sure. started, I did a, uh, have you ever heard of Tableau? It's a software mm -hmm. that uh, it's data management and data visualization. So um, it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't even think about the coaches, I imagine, are interested in that, but I don't know how easy that would be to, well, uh, yeah. tricks kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I want to take a little bit of time here before we have to let you go, because I know a lot of KU fans are listening to this, um, to just talk about maybe some of your best memories from Kansas and kind of some key moments, maybe behind the scene things folks didn't know about. Is there a couple, you know, handful of moments that you remember as, highlights? I imagine 2008 might have been one of them, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, again, winning is really, really important, especially yeah. in sports. It's really important, but you can't win without great people. And the people that were there and you surround yourself with and working with the coaches that I did and having the uh, support from the administration to build um, the, the sports performance department was, was fun. Um, those are the things that I remember, the personal ones, right? Not not necessarily, you know, um, the the team accomplishments. I, th I think it's the little battles every day that, that that that's what sticks with me. You know, again, winning is really important. I, I always brag about uh, being part of the fourteen uh, Big Twelve championships in a row because that's, yeah. you know, that's unheard of. Yeah, so, yeah, that yeah. was that was fun. Yeah. Are there like, is there an athlete or two that you feel the most proud of, I guess, for their like growth over their time in your program? I would say most of them. Right. Yeah. Um, I just actually had a conversation with Julian Wright. Oh, yeah. uh, I think yeah. he, he left in two, 207 or 20, 2007. Um, mm -hmm where, you know, he reached out to me on social media and we're going to try to connect. And that was how many, 16 years ago. So, wow. um, you know, they just had a big title nine thing here for women in sports. And I probably saw 40 different athletes that I worked with 25 years ago. And mm -hmm. 
you know, the stories that they tell. And I, I think it's about the stories and the relationships and the communication at my time at Kansas, because it was, it's a special place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you maintain like relationships with a lot of your former players and, and that kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Even like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, they're, you know, arguably two of the best women's basketball players in the history of women's basketball. And yeah. we, we communicate all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I talk to the Morris twins. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I keep, I keep contact with a lot of people. So. Yeah. When, when's the last time you were back in, uh, Lawrence, have you made out there? So I, you're a little busy during basketball season, but. Yeah, I think I came back to Lawrence for Christmas of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. That was fun. Oh, and I didn't even ask, did you watch the national championship this year? The Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 Where were you for that? I was at home in Connecticut. Because would any of those guys have been, did you coach any of the seniors when they were? I think Mitch, uh, Mitch was yeah. the oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that I makes sense. Jalen, I had Jalen Wilson for summer. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was probably it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Looking back on Kansas, I guess, what is your, uh, like, what, what are the biggest lessons you walked away with? Maybe the biggest, like, um, reflections you are able to have over your decade and a half there? Personally, biggest reflections? Yeah. Just sure, keep yeah. fighting and keep fighting for what you believe in. And um, um, yeah, it, it's sports are hard and winning is tough. And a lot of people take winning for granted. <laughs> um, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, again, the relationships and the, the people that I've met along the way made me a better person. And um, yeah, I, I just think it, it's a it's a it's growth. It's building. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one of the last questions I have for you, and I'll probably have a couple more after this, but um, for maybe the young women who are listening to this, who are interested in going into your specific profession or just in general, um, uh, a field where maybe women, women aren't the majority of people who work there, your advice and uh, I take guess any suggestions. Yeah, I, I would say take your path because everybody's, yeah. there's not one path, right? So be you, take your path and be the coach you want to be or be the person you want to be and um, be unapologetic for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that last bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Because um, you're not going to change people's views if they're not willing to be open to it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get like, a, how were KU fans? Were they like receptive of you when you were hired and stuff? Or was that... Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I, it took a while, I know, to, to like, you know, make your mark. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, needless to say, I mean, you left again, the 14 conference championships, dozens of all Americans, <laughs> a national championship at UConn now, wish you the best of luck this season. Before I let you go really quick, uh, the story or the show is called our stories. If there's one message people walk away with from your story, what would you want that to be? Um, know who you are, right? That, that would be the story is knowing who you are, having your set of core values and understanding growth is, uh, you don't, I, I use the Romans five, three, five, and it's, uh, uh, let me see. It's right here. I have it. So it basically says that suffering produces perseverance and perse perseverance produces character and hope. And um, 
yeah, you just keep plugging forward, right? You just keep fighting your fight. Yeah. So, and you have, everybody's got their own fight and everybody's got their own suffering. So we just kind of got to grow. Yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful note for us to end on. I know, again, you're a super busy coach. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And uh, best of luck the rest of the season. Look forward right. to watching you guys. Thank you. Eddie. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.